I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm saved. I uh, was telling the college students that the hymn book we were singing from, I held it up and I said, uh, what other God could you write so many songs about? What other God? You know what kind of God? A God who's alive. God who's alive. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning and we have enjoyed, we've enjoyed being lifted in our hearts with song. Lord, it's always been my desire as pastor that Sunday would be your day. It would be dedicated to thee. All the other administrative things we can take care of Monday through Saturday. Lord, a day of rest does not mean that we are to ignore the spiritual. It's a day that we rest in you. We rest in your word. We rest in the fellowship. We rest in the assembly. And Lord, all of us are here by design. No one is here by happenstance. You knew. You know. And God, it's all part of this journey that we're on. I can't say it enough. Thank you. Thank you. I was reminded by one of my friends that praising you, just, just telling you we love you and how great you are. Lord, what a wonderful way to start out any relationship. Lord, I ask that this day we would get a glimpse of thee even more that would make us love you even more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to the book of 1 Samuel, so if you take your Bibles and go there, 1 Samuel chapter number 1, and uh, that's where we're going. We get to the book of 1 Samuel, and when we arrive at the book of 1 Samuel, the book opens up. The book opens up with a story, and the story is about a family. The story is about a family, a husband. There are two wives in this story. And uh, so these wives in this story, and we'll pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, there was a certain man of Ramoth I Mozophim. And before you take me to task on how that is pronounced, I would like to hear you pronounce it. Probably would do it much better. Of Mount Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time, and when the time was that Elkanah offered up, offered, he gave to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said El- Elkanah, 
her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord in all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, verse 13, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit, have neither drunk wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Could not thy handmaid, count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. She said, Let not let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. This is one amazing chapter. Inside these verses, there are some amazing truths. But we're going to pare it down to one truth that I think would make a great application for all of us on this day. You're going to find out that in this chapter, and here is my title, I am not okay. I am not okay. This story, in these 20 verses, you'll find a lady, a wife named Hannah. The Bible tells us that, and please hang on these words, the Bible tells us that a yearly ritual, big word right there, A yearly ritual took place in her life and in the life of her family. She would go to the house of the Lord. And she would worship and sacrifice. This was yearly done. Verse 3 tells us that the man went up out of the city yearly to worship and sacrifice. Now it does not tell us how long they were married. It does not tell us how many times they made this trip. But it does give us indication that this was a perpetual thing. This was something that everybody was used to. This would come down to where you knew it was time. Come on. Everybody would pack up. This was their journey. I find it interesting that even though she went yearly to worship and sacrifice, listen to this, there still was not a joy in the life of this lady. You would think that a godly husband who recognized the need to go do sacrifice and worship, a godly husband who made sure she had the portion to worship and sacrifice, you would think this would bring about a satisfaction. 
You would think that this ritual on the outside would absolutely make the difference on the inside. So then why do we find this lady in this condition? Was not the house of God good enough? Was not the worship good enough? Was not the sacrifice good enough? If it was good enough, then why was she fretting? If it was good enough, then why is there grieving? If it was good enough, then why are there tears? If there was good enough, why a lack of desire for food? But we know that in verse number 6 and verse number 7 that this was her emotional state. The lady named Hannah found herself in the midst, and please know this, she found herself in the midst of a godly, religious, ritualistic life and was very much bothered to the point that her soul was soaking in bitterness. I propose to you that it is possible for your life to become ritualistic, religious, godly, and it is possible for there to be a problem with your Christianity. She got to the point to where things on the outside were not good enough. She was blessed, but that wasn't good enough. She had a godly husband, that, was, that wasn't good enough. She had the portion to give to the priest, to give the, but that wasn't good enough. She was surrounded by these, this family, that wasn't good enough. She was on the, that wasn't good enough. You would think Hannah would be thriving being that close to God. You would think Hannah would be thriving with this kind of husband and this kind of family and this kind of commitment to travel to Shiloh. You think she would be thriving, but she wasn't. She was dying. She was not thriving. She was dying. She was empty on the inside because she was dead on the inside. She had a womb that was not producing life. Look at verse 5. But Hannah... But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her, what please, womb. Look at verse 6, and her, ad, and her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her, what please, fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. My words will be gone here in just a moment. My thought will be archived with the rest of the thoughts that come across from the pulpit. But may something be said this morning. That you pause and you say this. I'm surrounded by all godliness and all righteousness and all ritualistic and, and, a, and a great church and a great family. But are you dead on the inside? The other wife had life growing out of her womb. The other wife knew what it was like to conceive. The other wife knew what it was like to bring forth. The other wife would, belly would grow and the baby would kick and the excitement and along with everything else and people would say, oh, when's the big day? But here was Hannah. Never happened in her life. Never happened. And the, and, 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 and the blessedness of going to the temple in those days was not only that you had yourself and the portions, but you had your babies. No doubt the priest would say, oh, they've grown up. They've grown up. 
They used to be this small, now they're this big. And oh, my soul, where has time gone? And there stood Hannah to the side. The same trip, the same portion, the same family. Then how come she was bitter and grieving on the inside? Usually Sunday mornings are a different footprint for me as pastor. But I know that we can't waste any more time in our Christian life. We must take advantage of every opportunity to have God do something on the inside. This dead condition that existed on the inside was not able to be comprehended by the preacher on the outside. Look at, or the, or the husband. Look at verse number eight. Then said Elkanah, her husband to, to her Hannah, verse number eight, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? And here is the mistake that most husbands make and most pastors make with this one statement. Am I not what please? Better to thee than what? Oh my soul, you have the choir. Why do you need anything going on on the inside? You have the orchestra. Why, why do we need to see anything happen on the inside? Isn't the program of the church good enough? And isn't the fact that we have a nice building good enough? And isn't the fact we have a good parking lot good enough? And how many times have people go, gone to the trappings and not realizing that sitting among us are people that are not okay? The husband made the mistake that we assume because there is activity and there is worship and there is sacrifice and there is busyness that as busy as we are on the outside something should be happening on the inside I have to remember this as pastor that at the end of the day it's not about what happens on the outside It's what happens on the inside. I wonder how many Christians have walked into church this morning. I wonder how many believers across this country and around this world on this day got ready, came to church, got out of their car, walked into a building, went through the song service, went through the ritualistic, the sacrifice, was a very good listener, got up, left the house of God, and nothing happened on the inside. They came in dead, went out dead. They came in barren, went out barren. And how many we have said, well, I must be okay because I'm doing. But oh, my friend, a sadder second question would be this. And a pondering would be this. Not only how many believers went into the house of God this morning, went through the rituals of worship and sacrifice, walked out with God not doing anything, and were okay with it. I'm okay with it. How'd church go today? Eh. I'm okay. Do you know what Hannah said? I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I can't do this one more year. I can't do this one more time. I can't go sacrifice and I can't go worship because I know on the inside I am dead. I am dead on the inside. As long as a believer walks week in and week out, 
and church and the habit and the haunt with nothing happening on the inside, then don't expect church to become any more than a social club that we attend. Don't let it become any more than you just catch up on the latest gossip. Church ought to be this. It ought to be something to where you say, I'm not okay. I'm not okay on the inside. Teenagers, how can you just walk in and walk out? And it's just, when do we get to the point where it's like, I'm not okay? There is no life on the inside. There's nothing going on. I can sit through a song and I can sit through the preaching and I can come and I can go and I do this year after year after year after year. When is it not okay in your life? And Hannah comes down to this. Hannah says, I'm tired of being dead in the womb. I need God to do something. I will tell you on this Sunday morning, I'm not here to tickle your ears and I'm not here to fulfill a time requirement. I'm here to tell you this. There's a world dying and going to hell. And for you to exist in this world with God not doing anything just makes you waiting for the rapture. How about we make a difference in this world? And the only way you're going to make a difference is you have to come to the point to where you're like this. I am not okay. I'm not okay. Because I am not going to live this way anymore. This insatiable desire for God that brings life on the inside resulted in three things. It resulted in Hannah making a vow. It resulted in Hannah making a promise. And it resulted in Hannah going to prayer. Could I have the musicians make your way to the piano? Hannah, in a season of seriousness about God doing something, caused her, listen to this, to be misunderstood by the spiritual leadership. Even the spiritual leadership said, what is wrong with you? What is going on with you? Look at verse number 13. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. 1 Samuel 1.13. But her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been, what please, drunken. In the Bible you're going to find out. Could I echo a New Testament verse that exists back here? And be not drunk with wine. But be filled with the Spirit. Whenever God gets ready to break upon somebody, and whenever God gets ready to do a miracle work on the inside, then they become an oddity among the norm. Did you hear that? They become this odd among the norm. You see, the norm was get in line, give your sacrifice. The norm was be good little people and get in line and give your sacrifice. The norm was for the father to go and say, here's your portion, and here's your portion, and here's your portion, and, and poor Hannah has no life in here, so let's give her more to bring about life, or at least make her feel good. And how many times has the church upped their game to make everybody feel good about their sacrifice and their worship, only for them to walk out knowing, I'm dead. 
I'm dead. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you okay with nothing happening? Or is there someone among us that says, I'm not okay. I am not okay this way. I don't want my Christian life to be boring. I don't want, and there, there, there's this oddity, and you would think that this would be the right person, the right place for people to understand, but it's not. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. Your job will not call time out and have a call to having God do something in your life. Your school will not have a calling, a time out. This, my friend, was, may I say, three things and I'm done. The first thing I want to say is this. She was in the right place to address the barrenness. She was in the right place, the house of the Lord. Oh, please know this. Right now as the word of God is going forth and being preached, this is the right place. This is the right place. Do you know what the rich man said to Lazarus? Excuse me, the rich man said to Abraham in Abraham's bosom. He said, hey, if you'll send back somebody from the dead to my brothers, they'll be changed. You know what he said? The one rose from the dead. The one rose from the dead, nothing would happen. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. This is the right place. And if you're sitting here, only you can answer the question, how barren are you on the inside? Is Christianity something you pick up, then you put back down? Is Christianity part of the hat you wear? And I'm just going to wear this hat because the Sunday is what we wear. Or is there a dying on the inside? That God, i got to have you do something in my heart. And God, i got to have something going on in my spirit. I'm tired of my womb being dead. Yes, I've given a lot of money to the church. Yes, I sing in the choir. Yes, I play an instrument. Yes, I sing a special. Yes, I do this and I do this. But God, on the inside, nothing's happening on the inside. And until you and I get to the point to where I'm not okay. I am not okay with nothing happening. But I could tell you this, she was in the right place to address the barrenness. I find it interesting that she leans against the post, isolated from the line. The second thing I want to tell you is she went to the right person to address the barrenness. And that was the Lord of the house. She was in the right place, the house of the Lord. But she went to the right person, the Lord of the house. You see, when I say the right person, automatically people go, oh, yeah, pastor's it. No, 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 pastor's not it. Oh, pastor's not it. Because if you'll notice, and if I, Elkanah, the husband said, Well, just let me give you more portion and maybe you'll be okay. Let me tell you something. You don't need man to patronize you. You don't need to be treated like you're okay. Listen to the statement. If nothing's happening on the inside of your Christian life, you're not okay. If there is no conception, you're not okay. If the Spirit of God is not bringing something to life, you're not okay. But are you okay with barrenness? Third thing I want to tell you is this. She was given the right advice in barrenness. She was at the right place to address the barrenness, the house of the Lord. 
She went to the right person to address this barren womb, the Lord of the house. And then she was given the right advice in her barren state. And that was this, go in peace with the Lord of the house. I love what he says in verse 17 as I end. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Here in just a moment, I'm going to give a specific invitation. And that invitation is simply this. Do you need God to do something? And when is the last time God did something? 11, 12 years ago, Brother Miss Fernanda Cole, we took off for the Philippines. My very first time in a foreign country. I was just reminded by some friends back there, and they sent me a picture of my very first time in the Philippines. If you've never been on a mission trip, you need to go. It'll change your life. God knew I needed to be there. God knew I was entering into a different phase of my life and that was pastoring. And God knew that how do you get people to see him high and lifted up? From whence comes this desire? We hit the ground and we went to the hotel and made our way that first night to the house of God. And when we pulled up in the house of God, I talked to a few people there and there were a few dignitaries there. And, and in the Philippines, it's much different than it is here. The government and the army, the colonels and the generals come to church. Especially if they know somebody's coming from America. And they, generals and those colonels, sat right on that front row with dignitaries. <laughs> and I thought to myself, what have I gotten myself into? And then they started singing. We must have sang and sang and sang and sang. And then you get up and you preach and you preach and they want you to preach more. And I thought to myself, if I could bottle this up and bring it back to America, and if I could put it into the hearts of someone, but how do you put a great big God into a barren life when they're okay with being barren? Most Christians are so barren that when they talk, dust comes out of their mouth. Most Christians are so barren when you leave the auditorium that the cleaning crew can see where you're sitting. My friend, are you okay with being barren? Head bowed, eyes closed. Have the musicians be